What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Trauma Beliefs? What's up, everybody? This is Nathan L. Happy recording live and direct in the Billy Shears podcast studio, still in lovely Northern Ontario. Woo, one breath. Woo. Um, hey guys, this is the second edition of Leap Edition for the season. We're gonna kick this off. I'm joined by Dave and Ba. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in. Beauty, beauty. Oh, those fake ones don't age well. Yeah. <laughs> For all the dreams right. that have come out over the last couple of years, it's like, why bother, really? I got the same one, Lupo, for that one. It's nice. You know what? It's 19. I, I almost want to just see if I could take the name off and put Spezza. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so much better? It's already got an A and everything. You can never go wrong with spats. You can take the no. A from the back and put it on the back. Save one letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause. cause <laughs> I'm always looking to save a buck. All right, let's get into this. All right. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Toronto Police? What's up? I'm Anthony Alhefi recording live and direct in Milton, Ontario. Today, I'm joined by my two Toronto Maple Leaf alumni guest host. I have Ball Walker. What's up, baby? What's up, man? If, uh, if we had recorded this maybe a week earlier, I'd be in a, a little bit of a better mood, but glad to be here with the boys fired up. Talking you, you and me both, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and now for the first time in our, our trifecta here, Dave, what's up, Dave? Dave. Let me correct you. <clears throat> this is not the first time we've had a first time before all the way back in the original Billy Shears studio. Wow. In Ontario. Wow. This was probably four years, five, ago. four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, All right. Way to drop the ball out. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I got a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Take two. You know, we don't fact check, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. A quick recap of last <laughs> month. Ba and I kind of guessed maybe the next 10 Leaf games. Uh, we we kind of decided on a 8-2, and 7-3 and three kind of uh, finale, and it, it turned out really well for us. We, the, the Leafs were 8-2 and two in that 10-game stretch. That's fantastic. Right on the nose. We were te- Every game we had a, like a running tally. I felt good about it. I didn't feel good about some of those losses. Like that Montreal loss still haunts me, but I feel pretty good overall over that 10 game stretch. Bob, do you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, I felt great during that stretch. They were playing a um, couple of shitty teams, but it, it was pretty good. Like it was a, a nice stretch of road games over uh, some distance. I, I thought they played well, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how many episodes I have. We have to say that this is like the mean team of the NHL, like just losing to Montreal, the team that just beat us in the playoffs. So they obviously haunt us mentally and then just the Buffalo game. And yeah, there's some, uh, not bright spots. Yeah, definitely some ugly ones. Yeah. And just to add to that, like the Montreal loss was just extra salty because Keith came out just before the game saying, you know, we have something to prove. What was it? 12 out of the, however many players were on this team last year. when they uh, 11 of 16. Yeah, it's like, Jesus, like, Keith was trying to get the fire under their ass early on, and they just shit the bed instead. Yeah, that, that's the part where the fans get so frustrated with this team. It's that these mental games that are massive for us, like I said, like, they beat us, that wing looks delicious, but that team that just beat us in the playoffs, and they they blew it, game seven, typical Leaf style, it's our first time back playing them, and, and we blow it. Like, it's like the Zamboni driver every single game. When... 
we sh- we should lose it, we're going to like. Uh, yeah, it, the, the, you're exactly right. It's a mental game, and it, and Keith going into the game saying something like that. I mean, that's almost begging for Montreal to embarrass you, which is what exactly what they did, especially with how hot the team was playing. Everyone was playing really well. And yeah, they lost a couple key components, including Carey Price and uh, Shea Weber, which is crazy. And they still ended up beating the Leafs. It's it's just an upsetting loss. And it's more it's more frustrating that one loss than the joy of winning eight of those 10 games. Yeah, it is. Wow. Honestly, that's just like the playoffs that were so frustrating at the end of the year. It's Montreal. It's our rival. Like These are the games that they should step up for. It, it does mean more to lose to Montreal than to win all those games beforehand. Cause Seattle's an absolute terrible team with just no, I don't know what Seattle is direction. Those, really? Yeah, exactly. Like some of those were must win games cause they were shit teams and they won. And it was like, okay, awesome. This team is flying. Like the goaltending has been subpar, but at least that, especially that first line and then Riley, a couple of D is, is just pushing everybody forward. And then you just hit the Montreal game. And that's like a big milestone for us. And you, you blow it. Not, not to mention the fact that after that loss, it's basically put them in this little bit of a rut where they seem like they have it together, and then mentally they are just they just seem so weak, and it drives me nuts. You know, I think we talk about it enough in our chat where they'll surprise us, give us a lot of hope when they beat like an amazing team like Tampa or something. Pittsburgh, they beat Pittsburgh in Bit, bit, beat Pittsburgh, lose to Montreal, lose to Buffalo. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> no, who, who did they lose to last night? The Vancouver. Uh, which which Vancouver. is such a and, and the way they lost it, and I don't really yeah. watch Dangle a lot, but I just saw the snippet too where he called it that they were gonna blow it. Like we all knew it. I was so out of that game going into the third period. I think we all you could just tell it's like, yeah, they're gonna come back. This shit team. As much as I love Boudreaux, I can't stand Vancouver. And it was just gonna happen because goaltending, I don't know why it's at best five goals what we can expect to go in now. Okay, well, which is is nuts. Yeah. Since we're straight on the Leafs, let's just get into the shit storm that's going to be this episode. Because even though the team is still in rankings, doing fantastic, they are. I'm going to say a lock for the playoffs. I don't think they're going to slide out of the playoff picture. They're a lock for the playoffs. But it's these frustrating things. Now we got to keep in mind: February, March are the dog days of the season. It's kind of that that buffer before the end of the season before they, the last push for the end of the season, I should say. And I just, I think there's like a lot of like little wear and tear on the, the team because of this weird fatigue season, fatigue taxing season. Um, I want to talk about the Detroit game, the Detroit game. Now, before we get into the crazy onslaught of the game, the last two meetings against this team, they have scored 17 goals against, against Detroit in the last two games, 10, the, the most recent game and seven before that. This is, I mean, they're obviously uh, playing a bad team. Detroit has nothing. They can't get a goaltender. They can't buy a break on goaltending, which, I mean, I feel like that's where Toronto is right now anyways. What did you guys take away? Any positives you guys took away from that Detroit two-game series? Well, yeah, I, I mean, th- there's a couple positives you can take away and from that Detroit, but but also kind of the other games as well. Mainly, the first line is flying. Like, credit is where credit's due, and I'm not going to be entirely negative. Matthews is balling. This guy's an absolute stud. May go down as the greatest leap of all time soon if he stays long enough. Like that whole line flying bunting. Spoiler alert for a future part of this episode. I'm going to be praising him. 
Um, you know, Marner is just absolutely being Marner now. I think that the contract's long past him and whatever psychological help he got in the off season with our new therapist, like specialist, <laughs> whoever it is, but they're flying Riley since signing the contracts. Fantastic. So these positive pieces were in play in the Detroit game. And that's why we were able to score so much and keep the win, which is also positive. The one game we didn't blow now, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, all these shit teams and pretty much every team they're always playing their best against Toronto like that's the honest truth you got a bunch of hometown boys on every single roster we are the main spotlight usually Hockey Night in Canada we're getting the most million views everybody steps up to play us and these teams like Detroit we can't underestimate them they come in flying and, and goaltending's been shit and not just goaltending I want to bring this up before I forget it too Stop waving the goddamn sticks around in front of the net and start hitting some guys. Start getting more physical, clearing guys out from front of the net. These guys are just walking into the slot and shooting, and we're just like, oh, man, hopefully I can kind of deflect it with my ankle. Like, get in there. That's pissing me off, that part of the game. Fuck, I can feel, I can feel your breath coming off the, the screen. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. You know, like Keith said at best, like they played a great 40 minutes and they totally dominated that game. Uh, the problem with me is like, they will never, at least they haven't been playing like a full 60 minutes in the game. And that, that can be said over and over and over again. That's the story of our lives as being fans. It drives me up the wall. The fact that they let in that many goals and, you know, credit to Detroit for the big fight, but really a lot of these goals were kind of, I don't want to call them fluky, but pretty lucky goals. They were bouncing off everything. They were just throwing the puck to the net, and they were getting a lucky. They were getting lucky with a lot of bounces. The positives in that, like you say, you know, our core players are doing their job, and that's you know more than what we can ask. Usually, what we end up saying when the Leafs are playing shit is like, "Man, these guys really need to step up. They really need to start scoring." Well, they are. So we have nothing to complain about with that. It's just being focused in total as a team. Yeah, hundred percent. The, the only thing I really take from that Detroit series is that Detroit's in a lot worse spot than I, I thought they were because I didn't think the Leafs really did anything. Yeah, they lit up a bad team with no goaltending, but outside of that, nothing really – the first game a little bit more was a little bit more impressive than the second game, but I could not get over that, that second game, 17 goals scored in that one game. It wasn't even like – amazing plays it was they were all shit goals i feel like every time a team shooting glove side on either one of the goaltenders it's going in they're tucking it under the arm they're putting it over the glove but they're beating them both glove side it's blowing my mind yeah, i was not happy with either. yeah you brought that up before with the glove side maybe being kind of shine but you know what actually uh previous point for loops what he brought up there is uh a lot of lucky bounces like the one shot going in and right through the pipe and his pad, like on the siding, like just a bunch of bullshit. Like Dave's right. Like what? What are you gonna? What are you gonna it, do? It's a like, tiny you, hole. Like exactly. Like, how are you usually gonna get that shot in? It's never. Gonna it should have. It should have never. Like that game should have honestly been eight two final. That's what it should have been. And Campbell should not have let in a ton of those goals. I don't even blame Mrazic for coming in. Um, even though he is not playing well, like I'm pretty sure over the year, he's like 880 or something like that over 14 games. Like, and we're paying him three mil, four mil, whatever it is like, not good. And I, 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 we'll get into goaltending. I want to save that for a little bit. I just want to go through this stretch a little bit. Cause I also want to talk about the last 10 games. Um, mm. So actually, actually the last 11 games uh, since that 10 game that we had guests, the Leafs are five, five and one. 
Yeah. Barely 500 hockey. Um, I, I really didn't expect a stretch like five, you know, five, like it's still a positive because they're five, five and one, but it's not great in any means. It's hard to believe that they just look, they, I think they look more mentally fatigued than physically fatigued. Well, uh, a, and I've always loved this position and I try not to blame single individuals on this team, but Holy shit. Goaltending is blowing a lot of games. Like it just needs to be said. It's pretty crystal clear. We all understand like this goaltending is not good enough for us. The playoff picture, this whole year is pretty much all of us trying our hardest to be positive with all the good hockey we're watching, knowing in the back of our mind, it doesn't matter because if they blow it in the first round again, it's the same bullshit. We're all going to be pissed off and it's just frustrating. And this goaltending is not it. There's another, there's a ton of other parts like the first lines flying. So yeah, we're not going to chirp them, but before beating that 14 game drought last night, the second line is too quality of players to be playing the shit that they played the last 10 games. And that goes down to the third line to the fourth line. Like we have literally one line performing at where it should be during these last 10 games, especially where that second line was playing at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I just want to add one more thing with this last stretch of like the last 10 or 11 games here out of all the playoff spots in the East right now, the least obviously are in one of them, but they have the worst record out of those playoff teams in the last 10 games. So I want to believe that this is just a little bit of a hump in the season. This is probably their worst dry spell they've had all season, which is really in the big picture, not too bad. So I want to be optimistic about that saying, hey, 500 is not really bad to be in a slump. They were, you know, even for the the um, the COVID year that was last year, like only playing in Canada, you know, even though they were hot winning, let's say eight or 10 games in a row, they would go on some really bad slumps of five games in a row. I think they did that two or three times throughout the season where they lost five in a row. They haven't done that this season, at least, you know, there are some inconsistencies, but at least they're not really bad slumps like they had last year. So 500, a little bit of a rough spell right now, but hopefully they get their shit together before the end of the season. Yeah. And you know what? I actually agree with that too. And, and there are more pauses, right? They're still first in face-off percentage penalty kill is six power play is first in the league. So there are some great parts. Like this is a very strong team when it is clicking. There are just some real deficiencies right now. And yeah, the injuries Muzzin is a big blow. Like we're going to talk about it later, but we need a, I think a left-handed defenseman now, if he's going to be out long-term and we'll see like, but I, I think, think there are some good, yeah parts over 500 Leafs are going to play this LTR thing I think with Muzzin I think they want him to actually stay off get healthy and they're going to bring him back for the playoffs I think they're going to play this game like every other especially Tampa has done over the last little while um, I, I've got to think that that is their plan um, with having some reserves on the bench as well all right, let's talk a little bit about some trades were made. Uh, Nick Ritchie, adios. Thank you for your time and your service. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I mean, I think we could all agree that, unfor- I think we all liked the Nick Ritchie signing in the offseason. I know I did. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a big body presence. You hope he can go in front of the net, be physical in the corners, and, and not let people push around Marner and some of the smaller guys. So I think, and on the salary he was given, yeah, there was those are the type of players that we're going to be filling this roster up with for years to come until the salary cap improves. I I agree. And, you know, one of those things, I I saw a lot of potential Nick Ritchie, but as my good friend, who's a huge Boston Bruins fan and knows all about Nick Ritchie, he told me, he's like, Nick Ritchie has never 
ever lived up to his potential. And that was never more true until he became a Leaf. Now, not only did he not live up to his potential or hype, now he's highlighted in all that. So whether it's a mental game for him, it just got worse in Toronto. So audios, thank God, because you've been my dud all season. Mm-hmm. All right. Were you guys, how did you guys feel about Dezingo coming back? I thought for sure he would have a spot on the, in the lineup. Like, I mean, he's a decent winger, which is kind of what we're looking for. I'm surprised that he didn't make the team. I get maybe it was a salary cap issue. I don't, I'm not too sure, but they waved him right away. How did you guys feel about that? Did you guys think it was the right play? Well, yeah. I mean, I liked the trade. I thought it was a great trade for Nick Rick, Richie. We got a big body defenseman in, in the Russian bareback who's looked pretty good so far uh, for what he is. And then yeah, Zingle single. I thought he was good, man. He is a pretty good penalty killer. Uh, good shot blocker. I mean, he's got some wheels on him. So there are some positives where he could, and some playoff experience too. Like he could have been good on the third, fourth line if he made the team. It, it's unfortunate that apparently every single team is foaming at the mouth for our players to hit the waiver wire because they're just snatching them up. Our sloppy seconds. Yeah. Yeah. They want And I, I was going to say, um, I think honestly, you know, Dubas was on a take it or leave it type of basis. I think he would have been a great addition, but I don't think he was going to join the lineup right away. And he had to go to waivers. Um, I think they were going to try to send down the Marlies just to get him into some conditioning mode or get him used to their system in some way. Um, if he got picked up, he got picked up, but you know, I don't think it's really that big of a loss. Our biggest thing was getting rid of Richie and that cap hit. Um, and we got a decent defenseman in the, in the return. So I'll take that uh, too bad about the zingle, but big deal. Big All right, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit uh, about Labushkin. Uh, he's played, I think, five, or, four or five games for the Leafs. I thought it, it's been okay. You know, the, the the report on him is a third line defenseman, maybe a second line defenseman. Um, I don't know. Like so far, it's been okay, and you do see, I do see him being a little bit exposed on his speed, especially in that Vancouver game. I thought I saw a lot of that. But overall, just a guy who wants to throw a body check. I'm happy with because. Uh, the guys that are on the team that are supposed to be checking, like Kyle Clifford hasn't touched a jersey in years. Um, but Wayne Simmons, I mean, every time he, he looks like he's lining somebody up for a check, he doesn't do it. I'm just kind of curious I, uh, what's going on. I'm glad. Okay, let's talk about Labushkin first. Um, I mean, we've already touched him a little bit, but the fact that he's physical, I think it's a big check mark. I think it's a, probably the best thing about it, other than the fact that he plays defense. Yeah, I mean, I, he's a solid addition from that trade. I, I've, I mean, I've liked what I've seen, except for kind of the really shit team overall performance he's been a part of. But individually, like he's playing the part of what he should be, big body. I mean, he's being aggressive. I like all that where you're pushing back when you're uh, getting off the ice, and they are as well. And you're kind of not letting them in the corners get away from you. So, yeah, a lot of pauses for him, especially – and pretty much what Dave said is that a Nick Ritchie trade to drop cap, like a guy who can possibly step up in some games, play a second line minutes, but probably third line. Yeah. I think great addition right hand as well. Yeah. I, li- I really like Steve Dangle's take on it. And, and he basically said this, that in, in the trade, there was uh there's Richie, a conditional pick. And basically what they did was they got rid of Nick Ritchie's 1.5 this year and whatever there was for next year. Um, and the trade-off was basically a conditional pick this defenseman too, but he was, his take was that they basically paid $1.5 million to get rid of Nick Ritchie. Uh, and, and, Oh, sorry. Guys, I almost kicked over my stand here. Um, <laughs> and Arizona basically paid one, $1.5 million for a conditional pick. I think it's a win-win for both teams. Really? I mean, it's no, it's no 
conspiracy what Arizona is doing. Like they've got 22 draft picks in the upcoming draft. That's insane. That's yeah, more than I've ever heard. And Richie's under contract for another year. They got a body. I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah, the good news about that is that hopefully Arizona is so shit and they're rebuilding for a couple more years that Austin Matthews is not interested at all in going back home into a 5,000 arena person. Yeah, 5,000 yeah. person arena, sorry. Yeah, he, he's too busy playing in the majors to go down to like the junior show. So hopefully Arizona's not even a team in two, three years. Oh I, you know, I, I've actually, I've actually lost the, um, the feeling that Austin Matthews is going to leave. I think he's going to sign a, probably another three or four year deal with the Leafs or maybe a five year deal with the Leafs after this deal. And I think it's going to be the probably the biggest contract, um, out, out there. He's probably going to, whatever it's going to be, $20 million a season, whatever it's going to be. And I think he's going to stay in Toronto. I think, he, I think honestly think he's at the point now where he sees what the fan base is about, but he sees what the organization is about. And when you see something like Arizona falling apart, basically, you know, like a glorified uh, OHL arena, they're going to be playing in. Actually, I don't even think OHL no, arenas no. are that small. You can't even consider that OHL. Yeah. And man, but, Arizona's not the worry for Matthews. My worry too, just being a pessimist is, LA calls and he's like the big poster yeah. boy for ESPN and growing hockey and he's the summer That's market. A hundred percent. Yeah. And and I and I, I, I've said that before too. I think I think LA would be the best spot for him outside of Toronto. But I think yeah, he's going to yeah. stay. I because I because you think of it this way too. Marner's still here for a couple of years after that contract after Matthews expires. Same with Tavares, Nylander too. So I mean, a lot of this, these guys that he's already played with for a while, nothing's really going to change. I think he might just. I think he's going to stay. But that's something for another time too. Yeah, and those yeah, guys are only right. there for like another year, actually, um, after Matthew's contract. So I'm actually – I'm a little pessimistic about that. I would love to see if Dubas can guilt him into saying, listen, we paid you highly, probably more than what you would have deserved originally um, because we thought the cap was going up. Because it didn't, we were handicapped. So can you take a cut? Like, Will you take a cut? But at that time, I mean, like, this could be an RL season for Matthews. I mean, the way he's playing right now, unbelievable, leading the scoring once again – He's finally in that conversation because he's actually, I think he's up there uh, in, in points, at least close to the top five. So he's in, in high consideration, not to mention being the full scoring leader. Um, I think he's going to um, play himself. I would not say he's playing himself out of a contract. He's playing himself into a huge contract that's going to play someone else like Nylander or buying out Tavares, unfortunately, uh, just to keep him. Uh, I could see that too. Matthews and Matthews and Kadri are tied for fifth with points with 70. Goudreau's uh, ahead of them with 71. Uh, and then Drysaddle is leading the pack in, at 79. So he's top five in points, number one in goals. Um, anyways, we, we all know how great AM34 is. Like, it's not news to anybody. Let's talk about the other trade made. The uh, tr- least traded future considerations for goalie uh, Carter H- Hutton. How do you guys feel about this? Is this just a depth move? Is Michael Hutchinson on his way out? Like, I, I really don't know what's going on. Yeah, man, just I, I guess a death, right? We, he, we let him stay with his same farm team and just kind of stay in the organization, even though he's our property now. This is just goaltending woes, and I guess just bring on a guy who's had NHL experience. And Hutchinson is not a third. Well, I guess he is a third stringer, but I don't know. The, jo- Joseph Wall, can, <laughs> Joseph Wall is 100% not right now an NHL goaltender. The, yes, the three yes. or four games he played, that team played sensational in front of him. So I, I, I can't give, I can't give Joe Wall the, the net at any time soon. Mike Hutchinson. I don't know if it's a good option at all. Uh, what's the other guy? Scott, Ian Scott. 
Uh-huh. He, I, I think he's just getting healthy now. So I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Goaltending is a scary thing right now. Um, I, guess I feel like an Oilers fan. I feel like an Oilers fan, man. It's just like we were like, okay, let's just fuck. Uh, let's just get it. Crack this nut right now. The goaltending situation in Toronto, I believe is urgent. I want to tap the urgent, urgent emergency, emergency button and just get this going because I need something to happen because JC can't do shit. Morazic seems to be like really showing flashes of being good, but also showing flashes of he has no idea how to play goaltending. So I, I just don't know. I just don't know what I can't trust anything. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I'm having big time trust issues as well. And, you know, as the last time I was on this show, I was big on Jack Campbell. I still am. I, I don't know what is going on with him, if it's a confidence issue or what. But I want him to take whatever time he needs so he can be lights out Jack Campbell like he was last year. Barazic, I think, is just a temporary filler and a decent veteran filler. I do not think we should be riding with him. I, I, I'm all for playing the hot hand, but both of these goalies have been shit. So what gives? Like, what do we have to do in order to get one of these guys rolling here? And I think we had a little glimmer of light when Morazic started playing pretty well for, I think it was two or three games. And then suddenly he's shit in the bed. So now we're going back and forth to see who's going to get us a win. And both of them, like you guys said, you're letting in five goals a game. Yes, I know we can score more than five goals, but it's hard to score more than five goals. I know Leafs are one of the highest scoring and most uh, offensive powerhouses in the league. But we should not be relying on them scoring more than five goals because when it comes to playoffs, we're not expecting to play that many. Just go see what happened last year with Montreal when we're losing three to one in game seven. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I agree completely about Mirage. My one solution for him that I'd want to say is if he could get start getting more consistent play, if Campbell's going to keep shitting the bed, then maybe Mrazic can turn out a better performance, but his career and when Carolina let him go, like, I mean, kind of speaks volumes about where he is at in his career. You're right. He's just a, a veteran filler one B, but more of a backup. Cause we didn't really know what we had with Campbell and we thought, okay, if Campbell screws up and we put our money on the wrong horse, like at least we have a, a solid option with real playing time. And Maybe he needs to play more games down the stretch, but yeah, he has been nothing spectacular. I, I don't feel like a huge confidence so, yet with Mrazic in the net. Um, and Jack Campbell, it is a complete mental game with this guy. I love soup. We all love soup. The players love soup. We all want him to succeed. Like th- we love his story and how positive of a guy he is. Who doesn't want to cheer for him? But the bad times really 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 get to this guy and he lets them get to it and the good times it's great he's giving the best interviews he's kind of emotional teary-eyed like how we would all act if we were leaf gold goaltenders and we're hearing our name chant so we want to cheer for him but it's just we can't have these inconsistencies and honestly i know people are calling for mark andre flurry but he is not necessarily an upgrade because he is also a guy known for hot and cold seasons had a hot season last year probably going to be cold this year there are really no other options for us. So we're kind of riding with these guys. We can get more depth like Hutton and something, but that's the scary part about all this is that we're really relying on Campbell to just work through it or we're kind of fucked. Okay. So how do you guys feel about a possible James Reimer return? I don't like it. What upgrade is that? I listen. I, I think it's the same type of goalie. Honestly, the same type Trade of uh, difference. Reimer, okay. Yeah, okay. The, the reason being change of scenery, unfinished business, something along that line. Maybe he comes in with a chip on his shoulder, ready to roll. 
I'm just saying that I'm saying that there's not a lot of options for the Leafs, and he might exactly. be one of the he might be one of the few options. But do you do it just because Morazic or Campbell? I mean, I don't know who the right guy for the job is, but one of these guys gets shipped out. Almost no, man. Like maybe Mrazek gets shipped out in the off season, or if there's a big trade and we get just maybe like a different type of like a, a McElhaney kind of backup in return and some deal, but no, maybe Mrazek's gone. Like I said, in the off season, we bring up wall or we, we get another backup and experiment, but pretty much Lee fans is we need these two guys to step up. And part of that is, yeah, yeah. the mental aspect, they need to get better, but we also either a, if Muzzin's not coming back or we're doing the long-term IR and he's coming back in the playoffs, we need another defense and we need our defense to step up huge. Like I said, get physical. Don't let these guys get in front of the goaltenders, have an open slot shoot on them. That play needs to get better. Our play behind the net, the urgency that needs to get better. Besides the first line, we need all four lines back checking. Like you, El Jefe, you brought up Simmons, uh, besides Spezza, I don't know what the rest of the guys have been doing except for the giraffe angle, sometimes getting a breakaway. But all you guys need to go back and help. You know the mental game is weak with our goaltenders. It's the weakest spot, and teams know that. So you know what you need to do? You need to step up. You need to block every shot, hit every guy, tell every guy to fuck off. You're not getting the shot on Gamble. And until this team does it, it's just like – I don't know. These problems are just going to keep compounding because we're mentally soft and that's the truth of it. So it's we, the, the rest of the team's got to step up and help these goaltenders out. And then hopefully with better play around them and they were playing well, they get some wins, some wins where maybe Campbell comes in from Razik, makes 35 saves, gets the win and all the boys are hugging and boom, it starts rolling again. Like, come on. That, that's it. We need that big breakthrough moment where these guys are back and rolling we had that wake-up call early in the season when they lost 7-1 to Pittsburgh, and that mm-hmm. was just what they needed to go on that hot run that they did. Um, we needed something like that to kick them in the ass again so they can get going. Which you think would have been the fucking Montreal game, but then they lose to Buffalo and Craig Anderson. <sighs> Craig Anderson. Yeah, if, in his 40s. Yeah, just added, added to the Michael Ayers, uh, whatever, like all, all those fucking anomaly goalie moments. Fucking, this goalie needs one more win to get the 200th win, and they get against the Leafs. It always happens. Oh, I told you, we're the meme team. Anytime a hometown kid comes in to play for Toronto, any type of milestone, first game after a trade, um, former Leaf player, or anything that's just a special, noteworthy that writers can write about, it's all going to go against the Leafs every time. Yeah. Bet on it. Oh, I mean, I wish I wish we had a better answer, but I think I think it's just I think we're all right. It has to be the wake up call. This is a team moving forward. Unless there's uh, something that Dubis has in the works that is truly amazing, I can't I can't see another goalie coming in. No, no, and I don't even think that should be our priority, honestly, right now. With yeah, trade. D- defense. That's the other thing I want to touch on too. How do you guys find Sandine and Lilligan, Lilligan right now? Uh, Dermot, I thought was okay on the third pairing with, uh, um, Labushkin, but I think Lilligren and Sandine, I don't think both of them are really worth playing right now. I like, I know there's no other options, but maybe bring somebody else in, like bring another guy up from, from, uh, the system just to, you know, give these guys a couple wake up calls, a couple nights in the press box. Hall's been better. I feel like Paul's been a little bit better. This, this like last two, three games, but I really feel like both Sandine and Lilligren have been shooting the bed. We'll start with you, Bob. What are your thoughts on those guys? 
Um, yeah, first off, because I praised him in episodes before this season, and, and I do think that he's a, a good defenseman, but boy, oh boy, Lilligren is on the ice for a lot of goals. Is he not, boys? Is the camera not yeah, show yeah. his face down or circling around? I mean, it is happening a lot. He is getting exposed. He does not have that physical presence and the intensity. I mean, he does have the intensity with the skating and the poise behind the net sometimes, which I like before, but... I don't know. He is getting exposed a lot, and he does not have a reliable defense partner to bail him out right now. Sandine, there are some bright spots, but he is European Riley right now, just a bit younger and less uh, inexperienced, like more inexperienced, however that term is. And, and it's just, I don't know. Sandine obviously is a higher prospect, and, and he does have more upside, but... The Lilligren one is very frustrating. That's the one thing I was going to bring up with you guys is he is on the ice a lot when the goals are going in. Yeah, and I, I think actually Lilligren has been in a lot of trade talks, which I'm not really for. Um, I know he he might be up a little bit too soon. Uh, Sandine surpassed him when he came to prospects. So Lilligren was in the system a year before Sandine, and we all thought Lilligren was going to be like the next guy coming up. There were so many comparisons to Carlson of all people to say that this guy was going to be coming in the system. He's going to change things. And he took a big step back, and Sandine just leapfrogged over him. Now, I'm all for both of them coming up because I think this would be a great pairing that we could have that's cheap and we, you know, uh, finesse European uh, scoring players, puck-moving defensemen. But, uh, you know, Lilligren has just disappointed me all season, honestly. I'm fine with him sitting in the press box or, even better, sending him back down to the minors. Just give him a bit of a wake-up call and really get his confidence back. I'm more for Sandine staying up here. And if we have some other players, uh, like the Russian defenseman we just got, you know, fill in those spots when Muzzin comes back. You know, more than anything, when we when we would talk bad about, like, Dermot or Hall, these guys have actually stepped up their play. And more importantly, Dermot has impressed me uh, immensely this season. Like, him just making some, some flashy moves, deking out some players at the point... I would have never seen him move before. He is like playing on a new level for his skill set. And so for the, the I think he's two million a year. Um, for the the price that we're paying for Dermot and his play, I'm I'm more than happy with. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I would I would send Villagrin down at this point, let Dermot play more consistent. I, I do think there's a defense possibly coming in and but with Russian Bear and Dermot playing the way he is, yeah, it's send Lilligren down, man. He is being exposed a lot. I, I just don't want to stun his growth any more than it might do, um, if that's the case. I, I, I know, you know, but we're not at that point for for growing prospects and doing all that right now. Like right that's now, true. We all know what the end game is right now, and if if you're not ready to go towards that end game, which is not only at this point almost winning the first playoff, but going to like a, a conference championship or something like that, then uh, you're going to be part of trade baiter. Time to fucking go. I couldn't agree more with that being said, boys, let's get into our studs and duds. So we're going to do two studs, two duds. Um, I, I think we should start on a positive just because we were just so negative And I have a feeling our negatives are probably going to be all the same. So uh, you guys, I'll take a volunteer. Does anyone want to start with their first, du- first bud? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll go first just cause I mentioned them already. So uh, my first bud is Michael Bunting hometown kid playing on the first line supposed to uh, be our Hyman replacement. The guy is actually playing better than Hyman way better. He is a Darcy Tucker type pass. Every team 
fucking hates this guy. I love it seeing everybody getting riled up, pushing him, tackling him. These like losers like Tory Krug thinking they're tough, tough, like wrestling him to the ground. I mean, this guy right now, 19 goals, 24 assists for 43 points, and in serious consideration at his age for the Calder. I mean, yes, you are He's in the lead Austin. right now. Yeah, like you're you're playing with Austin Matthews Marner. I get it. But he is making Marner-esque passes. He is finishing when some guys wouldn't be able to put that puck on their tape when Matthews sauces it to them. Like he is playing outstanding, full props. I am loving this kid. You know, I have to agree. I, I love, I love, sorry. I just want to add what you're saying about bunting, even though I don't have him, I, I agree with everything you said. The fact that he's surpassing Hyman um, for expectation, but finishing too, like his finishing percentage is like three times what Hyman's is. Uh, I love the fact great deal. I mean, great deal to sign him, uh, great contract to sign him to couldn't be happier about the bunt man for sure. Yeah, I'm going to agree with my first bud as well. That's got to be my Michael Budding. And I talked about this the last time. Not only, I think at the time he was even or just a little bit ahead of Hyman. Now I know we're going to be comparing to Hyman quite a bit because mainly the price tag. Hyman at five and a half million. When what are we paying Bunting? One point two or one point three million? This guy is a 2014 fourth round draft pick, and this guy is doing the job that Hyman was doing. And I will even add better because he's getting under the other team's skin. This is a big deal and something we needed. It's a different style for sure. I mean, this is a Marchant style of play where, you know, he's using some of his lack of size, but his advantage of speed and skill where Hyman was a pure grinder who would make you work for a puck super hard in the corners. Bunting does that a little bit, but Hyman was definitely one of those guys that would grind out wingers and and defensemen a ton along the boards in the corners. Yeah. It's a a different style. No, no. Hyman would beat them physically. Bunting is beating them mentally. Yeah, that yeah, big, yeah, that's good. That is a big deal. This guy's a rookie, okay? This is why I think I want to add – can I jump to my next bud already? Or are you going to well, get I, I want to I see my bud. Okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll jump to my second bud in a second. He's on a tangent. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut your legs off from underneath you. But I want to say the exact same thing that Jesse said about bunting. But instead of saying uh, Michael Bunting, I'm going to say Mr. Eminem himself, Mitch Marner, hometown kid, you know – you know, he's having his best year yet, but you said earlier, it looks like he's passing those mental hurdles he had earlier, but this is a Mitch Marner. We saw in junior, this is a Mitch Marner who is throwing these, these saucer uh, backhanders past goalies glove side. Like he is, he is loosey goosey and it looks so good on him is the kind of player that we all knew that we had, but he wasn't reaching that potential. This year is his breakout year. He's had fantastic years for the five years he's been here, but this is his breakout year. hundred percent. You know what? I'll even say Mitch Varner's playing the way he should be, the way he has been in the past. The problem is I think Montreal fucked with him. I think the whole playoffs fucked with him, and it took him a while to get back, and now he's back. I just hope he continues this run that he's on right now. Yeah, whether right. he wants to admit it or not, man, like losing to Montreal and kind of being the hometown kid, I think I think he knew the pressure. I think he almost like knew the fuck up and the disappointment and and just what was really on their shoulders. And, and kudos to him, man, because everybody has been on his case because whether he likes it or not, we've been living vicariously through him because we all project ourselves as the hometown kids and we wouldn't screw over the Leafs. We all would have taken 10 years at $3 million to help him out. We all tell ourselves, but he has stepped up since then. Yeah, he has some low moments when the whole team is playing like shit, Buffalo, Montreal games. But at the same time, he's also being one of the main players 
only consistent ones during those bad times. So he's carrying the team. Bud. Yeah, he's definitely a bud for sure. Yeah. All right, Dave, go ahead. What's your next bud? Yeah, All right, my next bud is none other than our famous GM, Kyle Dukes. <laughs> nice. right. oh, yeah. You know what? We don't get enough credit to this guy, and he is never in the talks for GM of the year. This guy, and I think it's because of his previous signings for the core four, the core five, however you want to say it, but this guy has done what everybody thought was going to be impossible. How are you going to pay 45% of your core players and try to manage the rest of the team? He's done it. He's picking up players like Michael Bunting, who's a fourth-round pick, who was barely used in a shitty team like Arizona, and he's now bringing a Rookie of the Year candidate to the team, playing on the top line with two of the biggest superstars in the league. This is ridiculous stuff. He's picking up um, a solid player and getting rid of a shitty Nick Ritchie contract that he has to own up to, but he solved the problem. This guy is finding ways to fill holes with Kasha or Kemp. And Spezza, well, Spezza's doing it on his own anyways, and Simmons, but he's filling out the whole team on a bare minimum salary that he has to work with, and he's getting it done, which is one of the most impressive things I've seen from a GM. Um, Unfortunately, they're not having the success in the playoffs yet, but he's doing what a lot of GMs can't, and that is managing money and really, really doing a good job at finding hitting gems, which has always been a big thing for me. You know, we always talk about like Detroit back in the 90s. How the hell did they get Zetterberg or Datsuk? These guys were picked 300th overall or 282nd overall, and somehow they're their captain or some of the best players in the league. Well, now we finally have a GM that can actually find these hidden gems, and a lot of his picks have been hits. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree with you, man. This whole organization has just run so well, top to bottom, when you're talking management. But Dubas has done a great job, even when it hasn't worked out necessarily like I thought the Nick Felino thing was exactly the piece we needed, and he went out and he did it. So even when he's kind of missed the mark, he has gone in the route, the positive way that we wanted. So, yeah, he is he is doing a fantastic job. I mean, that's part of the reason I get so frustrated because haters be damned. Like, this is a good team. This is a really good team with amazing players, and we just haven't been performing in the playoffs. But Dubas this year, yeah, with this team, Bunting, Kosh, Kampf, I mean, Jack Campbell, like we were able to replace Freddie Anderson. I know they're not playing well right now, but we didn't know what our starting goaltending was going to be at the end of that contract. And we did find a guy through a trade. So it's been positive. And you you know what? Freddie Anderson, even though he's playing amazing on Carolina, that's a different team, a different defense system. Freddie Anderson was not playing this good for the Leafs last year or the year before that or the year before that. So the goalie inconsistency when it comes to quality is about par, if not slightly less. Freddie Anderson has not made or break the Leafs. And he's really, I don't, I don't think he's been a huge difference in losing uh, for this whole season. I, I agree. I, th- I still think he has something to prove when it comes to the playoffs when he's playing on Carolina. Like, let's see how he reacts. Like, the mental part of Toronto did get to Freddie, and I really liked Freddie, but this city will just choose out a lot of players. Yeah. All right. Um, I like it a lot, Dave. And you know what? It's, it's nice. It's nice when we have the advantage of having that on our team as opposed to just somebody else's team too. I like it. All right. Boss second star. Me? Okay. Okay. So my second star is, I mean, without question, we haven't brought him up, but AM 34. I mean, possibly going to go down as one of the best Leafs of all time. This kid already, he is currently at 39 goals, 31 assists for 70 points on the season probably going to be winning a couple of awards. I mean, he should be up for the Selkie as well. Like this guy is doing it all. I mean, his defensive game has grown, 
we're first in the league as a team with face-off percentage. He's a huge part of that. The first line is carrying the team multiple times, and it's frustrating to watch. And then the great part about it is you don't have complaints about the first line. Like, you, you're pissed off at how the team plays, but then you're always like, well, at least Matthews and Marner were ripping around. Like, there is one thing I can kind of smile about, and these guys – Bunting with them, the team chemistry. Matthews is the real deal. Like, I mean, he's always your bud pretty much every episode. I'll have to so true. So true. Yeah. And you know what? I'll, I'll let him up. I mean, he he's on pace for 50, so 55 goals or something like that. Um, I, I would be amazed if he hits 50. I'm not amazed. I'd be happy if he hit 50 goals. Finally. Um, yeah. He's, he's uh, yeah. And shortened seasons get in the way of him hitting 50 when he should have easily been able to get there. This hopefully is finally the season with uh, how many games we have left? 30 games we have left. You don't think he's going to get 11 more goals? This guy's going to get surpassed 50 goals. I mean, he might even get 60. Oh, let's go. (laughs) You know what? I hope he breaks the record too. Like, I hope he breaks the season record for Leafs. I think that'd be, and also it just goes to show how special this guy is. And Patrick Laine, who I get it. He looks like an angry mom, but whatever, dude, like there's no competition anymore in that draft year. And, and <laughs> there never to was to Austin Matthews. Um, there was, yeah, absolutely. Um, just to add to Austin Matthews. I'm, I'm trying to look for the stat right now. I believe I heard in one of the last games four forwards. I think he's in the top, if not the top in takeaways. So not only mm-hmm. is this guy in the top for points, he's leading in goals, but you talk about being in talks for Selkie being an overall two way uh, offensive player. This is like the total package. We love, we all can agree that Connor McDavid is the best player in the league, but Austin Matthews is making one of the biggest arguments this season to put his name at the top of that list as well. I mean, just the goal scoring alone, the two way playing. Uh, I mean, imagine the hard work he could get this year. Art Ross, Selkie, goal scoring, Rocket, you know, he, Rocket, you know. so M- this McDavid is, uh, is the best offensive player in the game very Ooh. good point very good point <laughs> we all know we all know once you get to edmonton you forget how to play defense we all know yeah. that yeah all right you know, like, my go ahead go ahead no i was yeah. gonna say he just really doesn't care he really does not <laughs> yeah care. He's coming home eventually. I mean, if Matthew walks, right, like they'll have all this extra money. So, okay. Yeah. My second uh, bud is Willie styles. My man, he had, he's been a little bit rough last five games, only four points, one goal, four assists in the last five games, but he's had, he's having a very quiet career year. He's at 21 goals so far in this season. His career high is 31 goals. He's got 30 goals to score 10, 30 games, to score 10 goals to tie his record. I think he's going to do it. I think he's having a sensational season, 50 points on the season already. Yes. We both, we all, all three of us can agree. The second line has been a little bit quiet, even though JTO finally broke that slump, but the second line still doing good work, even though they're quiet. Willie is a big part of that. And I kind of like the refresh with having Robertson on Robertson on the top line. Sorry, second line with those guys too. So, um, I actually had him on the fence between Bud and Dud. I think overall his season, Willie has been amazing, and that's why I'm leaning more towards Bud. I did kind of have him the Dud just by the way he's been playing lately. He he's so hot and cold in those games where he's off. He just looks like he doesn't even give a shit at all and doesn't put in any effort. But this season really has been on fire. And I mean, I always love the confidence when he's on top. 
Totally. If we if we look at these numbers here, I just look at them really quickly here. You think about the core four or five that we have here. Austin Matthews, 70 points. Mitch Marner, 58 points. John Tavares, 52 points. William Nylander, 50 points. Morgan Riley, 45 points. Let's add Michael Bunting in there, 43 points. Alexander Kerfoot, 38 points. These guys are offensive powerhouses. They're doing great. So when you even look at depth guys, like not to mention Willie and his amazing start, you got depth guys all around here that can contribute and uh, uh, throughout the season when these guys are having some dry spells. And, you know, Willie's probably a little dry right now, but I'm sure he's going to pick it up again. Uh-huh. All right. Should we crack them duds? Crack a dud. All right. And we want to start? It doesn't matter. Who, who, who wants to go? All right. Well, I'll, I'll start just because I think we can all agree. Uh, I'm going to put both goaltenders in as number one dud, hands down. Um, and I, we've already touched on it. It's just, it's bad since the new year their their safe percentage is ranked last in the league. It's bad. This is an emergency. Sort your shit out, please. Yeah, I completely agree, man. I, I it's gotta be the number one overall for all of us. Really? Yeah. I, I can't deny that. Um, you know, as much as I love Campbell, I hope he gets his stuff together so he can turn it back on. We really need these guys to playing slightly above average that's all we're asking for we're not asking for all-star play but slightly above average would be amazing please just fucking stop something with your glove every now and then i'll be happy yeah okay so we all agree that's our first dud easy okay all right i would love to start the second round of duds go for it adam brooks look at me baby (laughs) adam brooks look at me right in the face right now buddy i'm sorry you've had a rough season Montreal releases you Vegas picks you up Vegas releases you Toronto brings you back. And I loved you in the playoffs. I loved you in that Columbus series. I think, I think you got something as a bottom six, but then you couldn't clear waivers. Not your fault. I get it, bro. But you had to go to your hometown wiener peg. I'm so sorry. You are the number two. Dud. <laughs> Why are you picking on Brooks? <laughs> yeah, he already has to play Winnipeg. Like Jesus, he has it bad enough. <laughs> Jesus, I feel for you, man. I, feel, I I I couldn't figure out if I was gonna put him as a a butt or a dud. I was like, like, thanks, thanks for the the time you put in. We got you back, but we couldn't clear waivers. Unfortunately, I I still classified as a dud. All right, I, can I give you my second dud here? Um, yeah, go. <laughs> I I feel bad about this honestly because it's really not the best justification here, but. I'm putting on Mr. Nicholas Robertson. Oh. I love this kid. I love him. I think he has so much upside to him. I think he's one of these guys that we can really, with the right training, with enough time, really come into a top six role and take out someone like, uh, uh, sorry, so take out someone like Kerfoot. You know what I mean? Like save on some salary and get some sniping power, some speed on the line. And this kid has speed, but. I'm sorry. For the time that he has come up, he really doesn't do much. They throw him the puck all the time. He's shooting just like Jason Blake right in the emblem. Pick some fucking corners. You, I know you can shoot better than that. I know you can be better than that. I know you can make some plays. But let's see it happen. I know it's only four games in and he's got one assist. But I want to see more from him, especially no, he, playing with Tavares and Nylander. He scored last night. Oh, sorry. Sorry, he's got the one goal in four games. Sorry. Big yeah, whoop. but his first his first three games he got five minutes a game. Like they really didn't give him much to sniff at, anyways. But I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I still think we need to give him more time. But 
I mean, personally, not that I'm saying the guy can't perform, but he was just another small forward Jeremy Bracco almost type where I don't know if he's actually going to be able to make this lineup or we're just showcasing him for a trade. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And I think that's actually been a lot of talk. Him and Lilligren, I think, are um, some pretty decent prospects that we should be able to pick up someone with with retention on salary cap, which I would be all for, honestly. I used to think really highly of Robertson, but I'm fine with losing him at this point for for going all in, you know. Well, keep in mind that the at, that Toronto's top blue chip prospect, Amaroff, with the who has a, a brain tumor, and so he's off the block, right? So, so even if they want to use him as a chip, they can't. So now Nick Robertson, who might not have been on the block before, is now on the block because people are going to ask for a blue chipper, and that's what they're going to end up giving him. He might be the most NHL ready young prospect who the Leafs have in their organization, and he's probably on the on the block yeah all right okay so for my second final uh dud uh dave actually just brought up his name and we actually talked about him a bunch it's timothy lilligren uh he's been my dud mainly like i said he's been exposed on the ice um i do think now as a defense he is trade bait and speaking of prospects by the way i think our top two prospects right now is that nimiella kid and that matthew neves those are the only two kids that I don't really want to see traded. Otherwise, doesn't matter to me. Lilligren, he's getting exposed. And and the defense as a whole, too, I want to put on a dud in this one specific area that I already brought up, is the defensive net front presence in front of our goalies. I'm so sick of seeing the sticks swinging around. Like Start moving these bodies. Start getting a lot more aggressive. Don't let them get a clear shot on our goaltenders. Yeah, I like it. You're not wrong. I think Lily's been a dud. Uh, both, both those, both those young guys, I think have, have kind of, the expectation was very high on them and some nights they, they have, they're close to it, to the expectation, but most nights they're average below average in my books. And I believe Lilligren's probably ahead, ahead of Sandin in that too. Yeah. All right, boys, with that being said, let's just finish this little one off. Okay. Any names out there that you would like to see? Let's talk about realistic names in the trade market. We talked about math earlier. I don't think it's going to happen as well too, but maybe it could, like it could happen. I mentioned Reimer earlier. Is there anything else you guys can really see coming to the Leafs at the trade deadline? Well, uh, I mean, I think our two needs, if we're going to get anything, it's a defenseman and possibly a, like a second line winger. So with those two kind of in mind, the players I'm looking at, like, you know, I really like the idea of JT Miller, even though I think that that could be giving up a lot. Um, Philip Forsberg, I think, is going to be way too expensive. So I really don't know who we'd be able to get. Maybe like Connor Garland. I know that's another uh, Vancouver player. But uh, talking about defense, like guys like, I mean, you you got Chikrin and Klingberg. Like, yeah, we could go for the two big aces. But I also think like Mark Giordano, maybe Scott Mayfield. I would love that. Yeah, Calvin DeHaan. Like, there are some guys who maybe have a little bit of a high cap hit but aren't really seeing the minutes and the playtime that they should. So I think, like I said, Calvin DeHaan, Scott Mayfield, or I, I think Giordano could also be a really good fit for us. What about Justin also. Braun? There seems to be, like, a lot of talk about him. Yeah, I, I could see him. I could also see Luke Shen, honestly, coming back. As yeah, well. that, that's what they were saying, too, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing a lot of talk about that with Luke Shen. I, it seems like there's a lot of talk for Vancouver players like Luke Shen or Garland. 
And I'm all for that. Um, I don't think Luke Shen is really the answer, especially when we talk about like depth. I know he's a big body and stuff, but I'd rather have someone a little bit harder hitting. Gio Darno yeah. sounds like a perfect fit to add some physicality. If you had Gio Darno, sorry, Gio Darno. Jar, I, I can't Giordano, Dan. Giordano. I'm supposed to be Italian here, for God's sake. <laughs> M- Muzzin, and you have uh, Lishko. Oh, man, I can't say his fucking name either. Labushkin. Labushkin. You know, you have some, some big-time physicality now on the back end. I'm all for that. I'm all about getting tougher and having some more grinders like uh, Garland on there as well. Um, he's in the last year of his contract, Giordano. So I'm all for... Uh, them retaining his salary for some prospects. You know, Seattle would, I think, would gladly take some draft picks. They know they're not going to make it. Um, why not send away someone that you're probably not going to have in the next season anyway? So, um, yeah, if I was Seattle, I would make that move in a second. It's just whether or not the price is right. I don't think the Leafs even have a first-round pick that they can give up anyways, which is usually the the asking price for these types of players. So they're going to have to give up some draft picks, or uh, sorry, some prospects and, you know, like we've talked about the couple of prospects we're willing to get rid of. I hope those are tempting enough for those teams to bite on. Yeah. Like, I mean, if Muzzin comes back and we have kind of a playoff defensive of you're going like Muzzin, Brody, say Riley with whoever you want, Gio Labouche, Sandine, and then, or Hall. And then the other two are on the three. Like that's a pretty solid defense core. And then possibly even adding another guy, like who knows, like Ben Sherratt they're talking about, even though I don't like doing trades with Montreal. No, we need some of those physical defensive defensemen to play and give our offensive guys some relief when they want to move the puck up and be part of the play with the big boys. I like it, boys. All right. Well, we'll see playoff or the deadlines coming up soon. Hopefully by the next leaf edition, we'll have some exciting news. This team will have turned it around and Dave would have muted his mic. That'd been great. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear the door close? Oh yeah. All right. All right. With that being said, boys, you have anything else you want to say before we close off this podcast? Go Leafs. Go baby. Second round. Here we go, baby. Let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> Woo, I love it. I love to hear that. <laughs> All right. The turnaround starts right now. Go Leafs go. We've got Columbus uh, the same day that this gets released. So hopefully they can slam the door on Columbus. That'd be great. Yeah. Next episode is going to be a lot more positive, boys. I know that. Let's do this. All right. For Bob Walker, Dave, I'm Anthony Alhefe. This is Leaf Edition on the Not After 30 podcast. Thank you. Peace.